Coming up, Alicia Malone joins Ileana in just a minute. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. And now, it's the I Blame Dennis Hopper podcast, starring Ileana Douglas. Eavesdrop with Ileana as she interviews Hollywood's most prominent players about filmmaking, acting, and what really happens on the set of your favorite flicks and TV shows. Hi, everyone. It's Ileana Douglas, and I'm here with the I Blame Dennis Hopper podcast with my lovely co-host, Tamara Berg. We've got a lot to get to. Today. And we're live. We're really live. And we're really live. We're live, Th- live. Thanks, everyone. It's fun to do it live. Uh, that way you can see me mess up in real time. <laughs> okay, we have so much to get to. Yes, we do. Uh, Trailblazing Women is coming up uh, in uh, starting Mondays in October on Turn to Classic Movies. I'm so excited. I was watching your Facebook Lives as you were taping, and yes. so you've got some great guests coming Amazing up. Amazing guests. Uh, I was pulling them to the side and getting <laughs> getting help for all of my projects. But uh, having Callie Curry on was uh, a particular oh highlight for me because of the three years we've been doing the show. She's just a personal hero for me. Thelma and Louise is just the greatest. So that was a really great great interview more to come okay i've got to uh the 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 other big thing uh, going on which i just find hysterical <laughs> is in the midst of everything else is uh the megan kelly jane fonda uh stare down happened I had, yesterday yes i know i personally had to laugh because i had a stare down like that with jane fonda when i asked her i thought a pretty innocent question about this, this is the first thing i thought of when i saw this interview went yeah. down i thought oh iliana's got something to say yeah we were talking about the way we were <laughs> and i mentioned the the that the that how Barbara Streisand's hair changes in the movie and that it back in the old days, you know, it, like that seemed to be how you signified female empowerment. And she just stared at me and said, that's what you equate the way we were, just her changes in her hair. And I was like, well, Jane, <laughs> we got so then we and then we got into a whole thing about coming home and how her hair changed and. And uh, eventually she came around to my side. Wisely. Uh, wisely. Uh, but it was amazing. And she's like, my, I'm an idol of mine. My God, Jane Fonda. But what I found to be hysterical about the whole uh, thing is that Megan Kelly is asking Jane Fonda if she's had work done. And right next to her is, Jane Fon- is, is Robert, Robert Redford, Redford, who has clearly had a facelift or two. And like, he, he doesn't, he just skates by. Sure. Of course. So... Number, so in my opinion, and I don't know what other people think, number one, it's like, you know, what did your mother teach you? It's, uh, it's kind of inappropriate. Yeah. You don't ask a lady. Age, weight, or surgery. Yeah. The three things you don't ask a lady. Yeah. Just saying. Just don't, don't you know, don't look for scars when you meet me. <laughs> <laughs> Don't look! Don't look at my ears. Uh, no, and uh, I, you know, I, I, so that yes, I do think it's inappropriate. Who cares? I remember when I was a kid watching um, Gloria Swanson. You know, she'd come on on uh, Merv Griffin and she'd yeah. talk about Gaylord Hauser and how she ate wheat germ and yogurt, and that's why she looked so amazing. Of course, I grow up and I'm like, oh, she had, she'd go to Switzerland and and have facelifts. She and Merle Oberon, they look pretty pulled. But I thought that, you know, so back in the day, just let us make believe. So that's number one. Number two, men having 
Um, yeah, the double standard of. Can you imagine like it, how mortifying I, it, they must think that the pardon the pun, women have pretty tough skin. Like, can you imagine <laughs> saying to Burt Reynolds, like, I got to ask you, Burt? No, of course not. That's horrifying. Uh, the face, you know, but yet we feel it's perfectly okay to do the you know what happened to her face thing, which I, I just think is dreadful. Yeah. Uh, well, remember the whole thing. Um, oh God, I just forgot her name. Renee. Yes. We talked about so that on the show, didn't yeah. we? Yeah. About how they just grilled her about about that. Well, but Jane Fonda had a really good and kind of comeback. Her? She yes. said, I've, I've had plastic surgery. I've talked about that. That doesn't matter. What matters is realizing you can always get better, that you have to keep taking leaps of faith. It gets harder as you get older. You have to stay brave and keep trying to go beyond your comfort zone and see what you need to get to become who you are supposed to be. Yes. And I think that the other point for, for an actor is that you work so hard on a film and you go on a talk show to promote it and, you know, you have to go wherever they tell you to go. Yep. And you've got five minutes to talk about your movie that, you know, you're working with Robert Redford. Yeah. You guys, it's like you've done movies together. You have a history and a relationship and and uh, and that's what and I, I I relate when Jane Fonda said why are we talking about this yeah it's like I would have asked so many more interesting questions about them working together from you know Barefoot in the Park and Electric Horseman and uh, things like that and it just it was so I just thought it was a, a wasted uh, opportunity and it was I just thought it was an embarrassing. You know, and yeah. a, a really embarrassing uh, moment. Yeah, and a lot of people are talking about it. It's not just us. So yes, uh, I think Megan Kelly's going to have a little. And the the other stuff f- coming out. A funny, just <laughs> oh, two serious things. I do. I want to do two sort of movie things. I the I saw a beautiful movie last week. You know, uh, the last movie which I really loved was uh, Ingrid Goes West, mm. and also The Little Hours. Uh, they're both, I think, on VOD right now. Fantastic little different indie films. But last week I saw Brad Status, uh, the Mike White movie, and I just loved it. I thought it was really great. And, you know, 90% of it is talking, which is my, my favorite kind of movie anyway. I just, I love when nothing, I mean, of course things happen, but I, you know, just people. Interesting people talking is is good. So I love that movie. Go see that movie. And I don't know if anybody's watching the Ken Burns uh, Vietnam documentary. I have it taped. I'm going to start it this weekend. It's. I mean, it's 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 a work of art and uh, very difficult to watch. But I'm learning so much. And just in terms of film technique, my God, uh, Ken Burns. And I shouldn't say. You know, I'm going to catch myself. It's not just Ken Burns. It's uh, what's his wife's name? Novak. Um, nope, don't know. Sorry, his gonna, his lovely wife. His lovely wife, who, who is his, who, his partner gonna, in business. As yes, and in it's life. like either Ann Novak or Kathy Novak, something like that. So apologies, I should. I'm doing it too. I should mention both. Both of them made this fantastic documentary that is incredibly heartfelt and and wonderful. So I've been watching that. And my uh, last uh, uh, little movie comment is uh, Lynn Novak. Lynn Novak. Thank, thank, thank you, you. Thank you. I apologize. See, we're going live, and I messed it up, and I've, we've fixed it within seconds. I love technology. Um, the uh, the death of Hugh Hefner. Oh, now, yes. long rumored in Westwood Cemetery, which is where Marilyn Monroe is buried, there's the empty uh, spot right next to her. Now, long rumored it was that Hugh Hefner had purchased this spot, and he's going to be next to her forever. So I, I'm very, very curious to see if this is... 
going to be true. But I've been laughing. <laughs> Why are people <laughs> celebrating? You know, my hero, of course, Jerry Lewis, gets all this like, he never, he didn't think women were funny, which, of course, he never said ever, ever, ever. Uh, he gets all this flack. But Hugh Hefner, who made women, you know, undress and uh, wear bunny outfits and God knows, he set us back a hundred years. <laughs> is suddenly is celebrated, so revered. He's suddenly our yeah. people are like, yeah, you have. He was really a great man, and you know, I, which I think is, you know, I, I begin to wonder if if the whole uh, uh, women's movement maybe was a backlash, was a response to Playboy mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because yeah. Playboy was started in the fifties, and then Gloria Steinem started. Ms. Magazine yes. in 1972 and she went underground as a as a, a bunny, bunny. Mm-hmm. but you know when I, w- I went back and I was looking at the pictures you know of him in his round bed and w- yeah. w- <laughs> it's just like <laughs> I can't believe we thought that was normal you know I grew up I was a hippie so there there were like naked people and art books and things around, you know they, we had like Calder uh, books mm-hmm. of naked sculptures and hippies swimming naked parts so you know with, like there was no real need for playboy and um that would have been like a re- very kind of bourgeois thing in our artsy bohemian <laughs> lifestyle so take that playboy <laughs> so let's bring in let's alicia malone let's i'm do done it. i've had i've I had a lot of sleep last night so i've got a lot of energy Happy fall, everyone. Uh, I want to talk about Alicia Malone, who I adore. She is a film reporter, a host, a writer, a self-confessed movie geek. She's done a TED Talk, for God's sakes, two of them. And uh, currently, she is the host on uh, Filmstruck, which we love, a cinephile run by Criterion Collection. And, of course... Uh, Turner Classic Movies. So here she is. Oh, in her new book, my goodness, Backwards and in Heels. <laughs> I've got a lot going on. Hold I apologize. The you got to hold the book up. I'm going to be like your mom. Hold yep. the book up, honey. Yep, yep. Here we there go. There it is. Backwards and in Heels. Please welcome Alicia Malone. Thank you so much for being Thank here. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on show. So I have to ask you, of course, because we were just talking about the Jane Fonda thing. That, yes. That, uh, do you have any uh, comments on it? I just thought it was so bizarre but i know well you know i think there's a large part of me that says why does she get asked this question when i we'll talk about this before when robert redford is sitting next to her and yeah. they'd never ask him that same question never. and it is always about looks when it comes to women yeah that frustrates me although looking back she has been vocal about it before so maybe that's what megan kelly was going for and i right. think at the moment megan kelly's trying to establish her own voice so she's trying to do this this thing between entertainment and hard news which is a hard balance to do yeah you know to get people on in the the premise of talking about their movie and then hit them with some hard-hitting questions. And I like the way that Jane managed to segue back to her movie. Same time, would not want to be on the receiving end of that stare. Of the stare? Did you ever get the stare? I've never talked to her. I'm scared of her, though. She's very intimidating. But I've had a stare many times. She's yeah. very intimidating. <laughs> I, but I love her. I mean, it's like I grew up, my whole childhood was, yeah. she was like every movie I ever saw. I love her. She's great with being such a feminist warrior and, as, and establishing yeah. herself apart from her father. And that's who I talk about her and her dad in my book as well. But yeah. you've had the Jane Fonda stare. Oh, she's so, I mean, I couldn't believe it. I was so, I was, uh, you know, because as I said, I've seen her in so many movies and mm-hmm. 
I had so many, not only her early movies, just her whole transition yeah. of, of who she was happening in real time. And I read her books mm-hmm. and, uh, and her books were very impressive. So I, I just thought it would, as I said before, like, my God, you only have five minutes and that's what that's you That's the one. I know. That's hard. You need like to segue slowly in an hour or something if you're going to go for that. In Subject. the old days, they would have said, so did you guys make out? That When I was like out at every every everything yeah. was like, so did did you like making out with Robert De Niro? I was like, well, it was a rape scene, a brutal rape yeah, scene. So, but, no. It's a good question. Thank you. <laughs> did you like making out with Matt Dillon? You know, like that's every, every so movie. True. used to always so, be that question. And really? And how was the sex scene? It's like, oh, God. It's never fun, I imagine. Do you know that they always do the sex scenes first in a movie? Be- really? Yes, because they're convinced that actors are going to fool around anyway Ugh. and then break up. I think that would be so hard to launch into that with someone you don't know. It's hard. Well, it's mainly horrible for for dieting purposes. Because yeah. you really, you, you'll starve yourself. Because you know that scene's If I up. see someone eating a candy bar, I'm like, oh, it's... Finish the sex scene, eh? <laughs> Time to eat that candy. Then for Can continuity's sake, you have, have to stay. <laughs> I've had a love for some... Um, we're we're going to get off on sex scenes. But, um, so to speak. So to speak. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, they're my... They're, I, I've done a lot of them, so it's... I cannot imagine. Oh I, I, can't act, I can't imagine acting in the first place because I'm yeah. too self-conscious for that. But then to do the sex scene on top of that, no, thank you. What if it was somebody you really... Come on. I think I would be terrified. I could I could tell you five people that I'd be like, I'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Like if it was, you know, you'd give me the right, you know. I know. Well, even like Jake Gyllenhaal, who I tell to his face, so he's my future husband. Yes. And it's become this joke now between us where now he says, hi, future wife, and he's uh, into the joke. But even him, I think I would be so scared of it. Like I talk a, ga- a big game, but actually doing yes. it, I'd be like, oh, God. Uh, How do I look next to you? Oh my god, I've done so many of them that 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 I have a you know from Gary. Sh- I've got them from Drew Carey, Jay <laughs> wow. Moore, wow. all of them. The things that they say to you while you're there, they're g- good, bad, funny, horrifying. All, all you know, all in one. It's a yeah. horrifying thing. It's yeah. never, it's never fun, and it's never sexy. No. Like it looks. It's all choreographed, isn't it's it? It's totally choreographed, yeah. and uh, you know, and and you're always, you're mainly, mainly afraid that the crew is secretly recording. It. Oh yeah, that's the only thing you're really thinking about. Yeah, you're not thinking about either scene or anything like that. <gasps> um. Anyway, well, let's get back to you, <laughs> and uh, you, I. I read a quote you said films mean everything to you mm-hmm. so and i even already know the answer my we always start the show your first movie that you saw yes. so, I, so so tell everyone the first movie that you saw yeah because it left a big impression on yes. me and, and i included this in my second tedx talk because it was the first time i really realized the power of movies and that was never-ending story when i was three years old the first time i got to go to a cinema my mom took me along with my two sisters and one of their friends mm-hmm. and i was really excited to get to go to the cinema it seemed like super excited I remember I had Tic Tacs that day also so it was like a big day for me Wow, for, young like, for the first time Then <laughs> <laughs> I asked if I could keep the box because I liked the smell I was a weird kid so they take me in and I also loved horses at the time so it gets to the scene with the swamp of sadness with Artax the horse and the idea being that the swamp of sadness will swallow up anyone who is really sad 
So it's Atreyu and Artax walking along the swamp and then Artax starts to sink the horse and slowly sink, sink. And the way that Atreyu was just yelling like, Artax, come on, please, please. It got me and I started screaming and yelling and hiding under the seat and just crying and my mum couldn't console me at all. She had to take me out of the theatre because I was just making so much noise. So I didn't get to see the end of that movie too much later. But even now when I see Never Ending Story, I don't like it because it brings up this traumatic feeling yeah no it does i mean seeing a movie for the first time mm-hmm. i mean it leaves an impression on you oh my god definitely yeah and so that was so so growing up uh in australia where the films did you see films on tv is it like yeah. it is in america where we have the yes. light show and all of that exactly that so we had Bill Collins, who was our Robert Osborne, uh-huh. who would do the late night classic film and he would introduce all the films. And I used to actually love recording his intros as well. Mm-hmm. And I remember once during his Jennifer Blondes intro, which I loved that movie when I was young, I was transfixed by Marilyn Monroe. Uh, he got one of the quotes from the movie wrong and he used to always annoy me. I was like, no, that's not what they said. <laughs> <laughs> but I would watch his intros over and over again, not thinking anything, but just I liked hearing him talk about classic film. And so, you know, my whole family was into movies, classics, independent films, Mm -hmm. art house and foreign films. So I was introduced to them from a very young age. I can't remember the first time I saw a movie, Mm -hmm. but it's just always around. Mm -hmm. My dad had precarious piles of VHS tapes that looked like they could fall over at any moment were just filled with movies that he'd recorded from television or he would take me out of bed at night and sit me in front of a movie and say this is Alfred Hitchcock and this is why you should take notice of him so it was just always there I didn't realize it was a weird thing until I got to high school and then realized no one else did this right well that's what I was also saying that once you you started your own film club in in high school which is funny club of one club of one (laughs) yeah I decided that I was quite outraged by the fact that no one had seen these classic films. Yeah. So I carefully programmed, we know how I would show them and what might entice people in and things like Breakfast at Tiffany's before I got to the Citizen Canes and all that right. stuff. <laughs> and I would get up in assembly. I would go and block out some studio time, some screening yeah. room time, and then get up in assembly and tell everyone, plead my case about why I think everyone should see this film. And I was so shy at the time that it right. actually amazes me that I, I had it in me to get up on stage. because mm-hmm. I, But I felt like that was my purpose. <laughs> I had to. I had yeah. to get up there, tell everyone about the movie. No one came to my screenings. No one oh, at no. all. It was no always one. just me. And then the teacher, the poor teacher had to supervise the screening room because it was right, after right. school. It was just like, so I think... Um, <laughs> I think we should probably call this a day. And I'm like, no, someone will come, surely. Maybe they just didn't see my posters that I put everywhere around school. Then eventually the school principal called me into her office and said, you know, the assemblies are supposed to be for important meetings and notices, so maybe uh, don't talk about your film club anymore. And maybe seeing how, you know, maybe we could just move it to a smaller room if it's just going to be you. And it's like, wow. Wow. Yeah. Did you have a, because uh, I had a, my own, uh, again, self-imposed, <laughs> nobody wanted it, because uh, we had a TV club, we yeah. had, you know, or I think, a, you know, AV club kind of thing, yeah. but but we had a TV, TV studio and it went 
out. I mean, it was insane for, that it went out locally. You That's know? cool. Uh, what do they call it? Public access. Yeah. That reminds me of like what, seeing that in movies, like in American high school films. Yeah. That's, I was sort of like the female Jason Schwartzman in Rushmore. Love so it. I had my, I had a film review show. <laughs> I would do the Love review. That. And again, like nobody, they, none of the kids would ever, but teachers would stop me and be like, I liked what you said about blue collar. I thought That's that was so cool. really Paul Schrader. Is I, you know, and I was like, yeah, yeah, nah, nah, nah. Tell, yeah. yeah. But so the teachers were into it. So who gave mm-hmm. you encouragement? If nobody came to the film club... Yeah, the film teacher did, and I cannot remember her name, which is terrible of me because she did make such an impression on me. But I I did, so in years 11 and 12 at my high school in mm. Canberra, we did have film as a subject. And not many people took it, but that was like, yes, I'm signing up for this. And she really encouraged me, and I was also really wanting to do well in that class because my older sister, Yvette, had come first in that class and mm. won the film prize. And I was like... I want to win the film prize. I came second in the end. But anyway, but I learned a lot. She was really encouraging of it. Uh, Because other than that, I really started to keep it to myself. Mm -hmm. But I would experiment with my stepfather's camcorder Mm -hmm. at the time. Like I would go out and I would make little movies of my own and edit at home using like record pause on the VCR (laughs) before editing. (laughs) I had access to editing equipment. And uh, I made a year 12 video where I went around and asked everyone with a pretend microphone, like, where will you be in 10 years time? And so it's funny now to look back and be like, oh, that's what I'm doing now. But at God. the time, I couldn't articulate do you have, what I wanted. Do you have any of those? I do have that oh. video somewhere. It's on VHS. So I'll have to transfer it to DVD. And I know it's got a lot of these, like, snow in between each cut because love it, was, it. <laughs> wasn't clean. But I'd love to see it now. It'd be super embarrassing. <laughs> you should cut it in <laughs> between terrible. your big celebrity yeah, yeah, so interviews. Yeah, just my show reel. Be my yeah, I've been show doing reel. this for a long time. <laughs> Take a look. Exhibit A. <laughs> I'm Roll a the clip. <laughs> Um, so did so from doing that because I know when I was in high school I actually did until they found out I was way way underage. There was a local television uh, channel three in Hartford, Connecticut, mm-hmm. WFSB. There was a show called PM Magazine, oh, yeah. and I actually lied my way in with like. <laughs> video from the high school of my movie reviews and I got an interview until the guy basically was like what are you like 15 you know (laughs) yes I am and and then I I didn't get the job but he said oh I like your stuff and you know yeah but so what did you have that trajectory I by the time I ended high school I decided I wanted to work in television I did want to be a film director when I was younger mm-hmm. and it, it was the case of, you know, I, I had people like Jillian Armstrong and Jane Campion, Agnes Varda and these kind of yeah. women to look to, but there wasn't a lot. And I used to read film history books voraciously and I never heard stories about women in film yeah. um, apart from the, the stars. Uh, so I started to think that it was maybe too hard to be a director and I, being really shy, didn't think that I had the ability to be able to lead a crew Mm -hmm. so I ended up changing my thought to wanting to work in television it seemed like it was quick and fast and exciting Mm -hmm. so after school the day after I graduated high school I moved up to Sydney decided I wasn't going to go to university (laughs) much to uh, the horror of my mum who just wanted me to do something so I had some degree and I started working at a I started in a television production course which Mm -hmm. was just very general 
and very out of date. They had um, those cameras where you put the VHS tape in the side, which right. at the time were obsolete, but they were like, this is the new technology. So yeah. it was pretty hopeless in that regard. But through there, I met a girl who got a job at the local television station, Channel mm-hmm. 7, uh, through her high school drama teacher. And then it was the Olympics were coming up in Sydney in the year 2000, so they needed more people. So then she roped me in, and that's where I started actually working within television. And I started out by rolling the teleprompter. Oh. So that's why I'm kind of good at it now, because yeah. I've practiced for so many years. I love the tele. I wish I had teleprompter in real life. <laughs> I know, all the time. Oh like, I, I don't know why, what I'm doing. Can I look at the teleprompter? Yeah, who's rolling this thing? Where's my script? <laughs> And so, so then when you were, so did you become a reporter first there and then move to uh, America? I started, yeah, I became a reporter in Australia. So similar to you, I just kind of pitched my own way in. Yeah. And just said that I could do more than I actually could. That's so, lie, lie, lie. What you got to do, you know, you figure it out later. Yeah. So yes, figure it out later. So I just started out doing the teleprompter and then I moved to doing graphics and mm-hmm. started lots of different roles behind the scenes but at Channel 7. Now, when you were doing all of this, were you like me, like dressed to the nines, like someday? <laughs> like, I yeah, would, someday. I, I, I wasn't. And like, I should have been. Oh, see, when I was when I worked in PR, I used to, which I write about, I was like, every day I'd walk, I'd be like, I'm going to be discovered, <laughs> elevate, you know. And then like, when I actually was, yeah. when that actually happened, when Frank Perry was like you you're an actress right come in my office yes. and do a monologue i was like what are you kidding me but it, it, it so did you i know i should have done that because by the time i started on camera and i went back to the people who first hired me to pitch mm-hmm. myself on camera they were like you but you're the girl that sits in the corner that goes bright red when someone talks to her and wears no makeup and comfortable clothes so i wish i had but i didn't have the self-confidence and even at that stage i didn't think i could actually do the job in front of the camera i wanted mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. but i was like oh i don't think i'm good enough or pretty enough or anything i had so much self-doubt that plagued me for way longer than it should have huh, but right. everything takes its time so the uh and and so you were doing that yeah and, and did then- that behind the scenes and then i got a job at a movie cable network called movie movie uh, channels australia and mm-hmm. it had three channels it had um the classic channel the indie channel and the new release so mm-hmm. it was my heaven they were looking for a producer editor and i hadn't done either of those things but i thought i could figure out producer editor i found out i had the job interview on the friday um, for for the Monday over that weekend, I taught myself Final Cut Pro. <laughs> wow! Then I walked in and I was like, "Well, I know Final Cut Pro yeah. for editing." And they said, "Well, don't worry, we use Avid, so we'll give you training." I was like, "Oh, phew, <laughs> thank God!" But I blagged my way into that job. They were impressed that I worked at Channel Seven. I may yeah. have expanded my role back at Channel Seven a little bit more to get that job, <laughs> but I knew I could figure it out. Then once I was there. I was producing, editing, writing several different movie shows that would go in between the movies. Mm -hmm. And I started to hear the promo people going, you know, we've got this two-minute 30 slot that we can't quite fill. There's going to be just too many 30-second promos if we keep keep that slot Um, because they tried to start the movies on the hour. And then I noticed that on our shoots that I was producing with another host, mm-hmm. we'd never use the full four-hour call from the cameraman. We'd only use two hours, but we'd pay them for four. And so I started thinking, well, this could be a good opportunity for me if I can come up with an idea for a show mm. that fits in that gap that they need that we can shoot and, and I can edit and produce and we mm-hmm. can do it on the back of this other shoot, then maybe I have a chance at hosting too. So I went in and pitched that and I was like, yeah, we could do this, 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 oh, and I could host too. And they were like... 
all right, we'll give you a go. Oh. So that's what started it all on air. I, then, yeah. I, I always think that's important to kind of volunteer. I, you mm-hmm. know, people always ask me advice, and I said you should volunteer because people love to yes. have you work for free. Or exactly, <laughs> and then you Just, also solved a problem too. Yeah, yeah. You to know, do by, by volunteering, right? You step in and and you find kind of find a role for yourself. Yeah, and then they exactly. Can't get rid of you, a role for yourself that you know, and you think about the stuff that they might say in return. Like, well, we don't have enough money. Like, well, this won't cost you any extra. Yes, so just coming up with those. And then I was terrible at first. I could never look at that footage. Oh, really? I'm terrible. So, did, self-conscious or self-conscious? Yeah, I had to really put on the sort of fake it till you make it thing when I first started. Like, Hi, like I'm a presenter. <laughs> Hi, everyone. I'm Alicia Malone. And it's so over the top that even now I have to train myself it. out of that and just try and be more authentic because uh-huh. I think I got so used to like stepping into that, yeah, confident yeah. role. But I did that for a while and then I started doing red carpets and junkets in Australia. And then, I again, another thing that I volunteered for, uh-huh. I heard that Channel 7 was starting a new morning show and they were looking for a DVD reviewer mm. back in DVD times. Wow. And uh, they called me up saying, can we audition the host that you work with? And I said, sure, but do you mind if I come along and audition as well mm-hmm. and again they were like you you're the shy girl but sh- sh- why not so then by then you know makeup hair clothes yeah. I had that all sorted and because I'd spent so long behind the scenes watching people do these segments I knew right. how to do it so I just naturally could throw to a clip pick up from that wrap it up right. do my review uh, and then I heard someone else had the job so I called up the producer and I said can I just get some feedback just want to know what I could do better next time. Mm. And he said, well, I haven't seen your audition yet. Let me go have a look at it and call you back. And then five minutes later, he was like, you've got the job. Wow. So that's kind of just how I started doing it. Now, did you have the inevitable or have you had the inevitable live goofs that always show up on you not that you have any on youtube <laughs> yeah. but those kind of i not know. not too badly not in terms of live right. only um you stuff that i've like been a... able to edit out myself yes yeah what about the uh, the, the, the dreaded hot mic oh no oh, thank god i think the, actually the worst i had was i just said well oh, i couldn't remember this is to ben mendelson actually back in australia and if this was live but i couldn't remember what this was called you know when you do that with someone yeah. uh-huh. uh i'm just doing fist, fist, fist bump yeah fist bump there. yeah for people listening at home fist yes. bump um so i said fist me <laughs> <laughs> and i said it so enthusiastically and he just looked at me like uh and i was like Oh, I mean, I didn't. No, I'm uh, sorry. Uh, it's uh, and I went bright red, and then I had trouble recovering from that. But that's probably God. as bad as that's a good as one. Bad as that bad. Yeah. is I so love, innocent. I know? love stuff like that. <laughs> um, so then, who was your first? Like, so when you started sitting down and doing interviews, mm-hmm. like who do you, who were like some of your first big interviews like well how did yes. you come up with your quest i guess that's always the yes. thing that people always want to know like how do you come up with your questions yeah and- i i had been at that stage writing questions for the other hosts and mm-hmm. and by doing that i just really would delve into a lot of research and then try and think of the answers that you need to get in mm-hmm. order to be able to make the package because right. People do need to know what the movie's about right. uh, in, in case they haven't heard of it before. But how do you ask that in an in- interesting way right. that is not just tell me about your movie, tell me about your character? 
and just trying to notice little details in the film that uh, maybe a, a line that stands out or a detail from a character and putting that in. And I'm always someone who does so much more research than I actually need. Right. But it comes in handy when you can just script your questions and then go off on, on another tangent or follow a story where it yeah. goes and feel confident in that. But I started out thinking of like, how can I do some kind of a signature and also increase my confidence at the same time? Right. Because I was really nervous about you walk into these rooms, these junket rooms, and they're filled with publicists and cameramen. You've got right. the star in the middle. He's tired. They've been doing interviews all day. You have four minutes. Yeah. And you're like, how can I quickly yeah. establish some how kind of rapport? You? So I decided something that would be scary to me would be hugging these celebrities because I... I <laughs> I'm not like a naturally affectionate person and they're the people you're not supposed to touch because they're like otherworldly. I'm sure they say like do not. not, No physical contact. Yeah, don't shake their hand. And I've talked about this on the show. There's like people they're like don't look at him yeah and then i'm i'm like and then you do and it's like, fine it's fine yeah except for when i tried to shake the hand of uh, gwyneth paltrow Ooh. and she just looked at me and so i oh, no. turned it into a point at her shoes like nice shoes did you say fist <laughs> me yeah she said that <laughs> fist me <laughs> so she i thought didn't I was... shake, how come she didn't shake your hand no she didn't well and they didn't she warn let, me she apparently she doesn't want oh. to shake hands I don't know, or maybe she was sick that day. Who knows? But upset her usually cheap, they tell probably. you, yeah, they tell you before you go, like don't touch in her. there, like don't shake their hands, which is right. so awkward because you're like, hi, you just wave at them from across the room, hi, and then sit down. That's funny. So I was like, I so I started asking for hugs, and that kind of became my signature thing, and something that people would remember me by. And right, and when the cameras are rolling, not many people say no to a hug. Because it's like, it's a nice thing to ask. And so, did anyone hug you too long? I like hugs. I I almost hugged, we met for the first time today, and I almost hugged you when you came in. I was like, oh, yeah. I never know. I never know. I never know. know. We are totally hugging when we're done. Okay, good. Because also in Australia, there's the kiss on the cheek. Everyone does the kiss, the hug, and the kiss on the cheek. And And when I first moved here, and I met (laughs) someone, and I kissed him on the cheek the first time, they were like, what? And they were just recoiled. I was like, I'm not meaning anything by yes. it. Just trying to be friendly. Uh, now, is it, you said, is it true that Oprah? You said Oprah Winfrey the is best the best hugs. Yeah. Oh, wow. What's what's so good about Oprah? She's is it so warm, really warm and inviting, physically warm. Yeah, physically warm, <laughs> physically warm, and you feel so comfortable in her arms. I would think she'd be an intimidating person. I was so nervous. That She's Oprah. That was yes, yeah, Oprah. I was like, how am I interviewing Oprah? Someone yeah. I grew up watching and and studying her style of interviews and yeah. how she connects with people and always has the aha moment. Like, so how do I, how right. can I do that? And so I was so nervous. I think I was number 46 of the day. Oh, my God. four-minute interviews. And so I walked in and, and they said, this is Alicia Malone from Australia. And she was behind a curtain just getting changed. And right. all I heard was this voice saying, Australia! <laughs> <laughs> and I just relaxed straight away. And then she came out, arms outstretched, and Aww. just grabbed me. So straight away put me at ease. And then the thing that she did with everyone there, yeah. so I don't, you don't take it personally, is that's a great question, Alicia. She used my name in every single answer. So interesting, Alicia. And it makes you feel good, even though that's you know it's just what she does to everyone. Yes. She's like, yes, Alicia, yes. And so I wow. was just like, yes, I'm impressing Oprah. When it's a, did you ever, uh, did you ever date anyone you interviewed? Did you ever have like I've I've gone on. Post- 
on a date with oh, people I've interviewed. That's like a good interview then. That's yeah. gone really well. And I've had someone who will not be named who oh. has asked me asked me multiple times over years at junkets, but I yeah, but especially gotta get it on a hot minute, mic. Gotta get it on a hot especially those four minute interviews. You're like <laughs> you can't. Yeah, and and also, how does that look to a room of publicists? Like he's like, give your number to my publicist. I'm like, what? I'm not doing that. <laughs> Imagine walking up and being like, hi, here's my number. It's like, no, I'm going to look terrible if I do that. Plus, I don't, I don't really, I'm not impressed by celebrity, and I don't really, yes. unless I have that connection with them. So it took me a while. It took me three years before I agreed to go out with him. Well, I noticed with the junkets, which I think is a bummer. Back, see, back in the old days, you'd do the solo interviews, and you'd be every every star would be in their own room, and you'd do go room to room to room. Now they do this double up and triple up thing, mm. where if so I'm hard. paired and with the star, I, I'm not going to get to talk i know i'm just gonna sit there it's so hard and then there's always a room that's kind of like the the spare room where they just put together three characters who actually don't interact at all in a movie and are the lesser that's me names (laughs) no not at all but you know that and the dog they're not going to be used in the in the package and and you feel bad no no they know it no they're usually the nicest though they 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 pair me up with like the guy. Yeah. That's usually my back in the day. I would get the thing, but now they're like, we're gonna put you with the comic, or and it's often strategic too. It's like yeah. these two work well together, or right. like you're more experienced. Maybe it's someone new who needs help. Yes. So then you can save them with your answers, that kind I, of thing. I find them challenging when uh, when you do them at Sundance. The key is you've got to be horrible and just grab the first seat because of oh, you. yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, it's true. I'm a hog. You just gotta do it. But you gotta go you in because otherwise in if you're in the third seat they're never gonna get to you. No they won't. I they know. won't at all. Oh well. So now I want to talk about your TED Talks because I think Find I think that's incredible. The first thing I asked you off camera I was like do you have to memorize that? Yes. Like, yes. That, that alone. But uh, so tell Tell me about the experience of even being asked to do a TED Talk. Yeah. I mean, I'm someone who somehow is a really good manifester. I put work with TCM on my mm-hmm. vision board five years ago. And I also put write a book when I was young. And I also put TED Talk when mm-hmm. I was when I was teenager or, or older when I started being aware of these talks. And I was doing a lot of stuff on YouTube and these mm-hmm. popular mainstream movie shows. And they were often, you know, a lot of big male audience and all the other people on the panel were often men mm-hmm. and I would just say things casually like there should be more women in, in with non-stereotypical roles in movies right. and the amount of hate that I got back from comments on YouTube and the anger about it that spurred me on to yeah. but first I was like oh this is terrible maybe I'm not cut out for this then I was yeah. like no screw these people I'm going to speak about it even more right. because it's such a shock to them that a woman is speaking out about this so I started being very vocal on all those shows and then from there uh the organizers of a small TEDx talk in San Juan Islands just outside of Seattle Mm -hmm. approached me and said you know you're very vocal about women in film and you're very supportive of that would you want to do a TEDx talk about about it we think you'd have some good perspective Mm -hmm. so that was really cool and then of course it was like oh gosh what what do I have to say because it's the idea worth sharing yeah like what can I say and you have to 
think about things in terms of what can the audience take away from it that they could walk out of the room and put into action straight right. away with something like changing Hollywood that seems like a really big concept. Right. So it took me a long time to, to narrow down the speech and also they keep encouraging you to add more personal stories because mm. that actually makes it more interesting, right. not just statistics and, and all the other things that could be looked up by Google. Uh, but the experience was amazing. And, yeah, I memorized it all, did my slides and sent on the, the red dot. Although something you'll notice if you watch is you can tell that I'm an on-camera person and not uh, like a natural speaker because everyone else walks around yes. and moves. You they just have the... to stay on the dot, you know, and moves their hands. I'm like in my spot looking at my mark. I remember to look at the audience, but I do not right. move from that one spot. And who is the audience? <laughs> it's, a, it's a mixture of people. It's mainly older, especially mm-hmm. in this Seattle town, which is very much a retirement community. Mm-hmm. So it was older people, but they were very lovely. And there's, there was only about 100 people the first one I went. The second mm-hmm. one in Oregon was much bigger. Right. But in my mind all the time was the fact that this lives forever on YouTube. Oh and so God. that's the bigger thing. that yeah. you, it, It's designed to appear like you're talking to the people right in front of you, but in reality you want it to be able to work on the internet forever right and so the first one you did was in 2012 yeah and so that was just at when it dawned i mean i remember it dawned on me of like oh what's happening women aren't in movies anymore Mm -hmm. because i grew up in an era where women were the stars of movies and we were talking about jane fonda and then you got into the 90s and i said like every movie i did was with a a woman allison anders i was working with all sorts of women nancy savoka and Mm. Uh, did Wedding Bell Blues. It, it was like... Yeah, it was a you lot know, of executives yeah. as well. Yeah. And I was being hired by Bravo and IFC to write and direct and I was doing shorts. I was producing shorts. And then it was like I got complacent and I woke up one day and I was <laughs> like, oh, I'm not working anymore. Yeah. And then I, but I started... That's when I started to go on the internet, which was around 2005. Mm-hmm. And reality TV could change. For mm. me personally, that's what changed everything is once survivor came in it Mm -hmm. it just it suddenly like there wasn't it just didn't seem like there was a place for women's stories men's stories anybody's stories yeah so i moved to the internet and but by 2012 i it just seemed like yeah there were literally no movies about exactly and that was when i started to delve more into statistics so first i started to speak out about it and i was like what why are people so angry about this And then that, I mean, at the time, I probably wouldn't even call myself a feminist because I just thought, of course, you know, everyone wants equality. And then I realized how how far it is to go and how you do need to talk about it and name it. So I um, started to delve into research and I talked to Dr. Stacey uh, Smith from the Annenberg Institute in my book. And she was the one who I read the statistic of only 4% of the top 100 highest grossing films the year before had been directed by women. And I was mm. like, what? That can't be right. And then delving into it more, I was like, wow, this is a huge problem. Right. And again, like, what can I do? But then I feel like I do have the ability to speak on camera and a platform of people that listen to me. So that was when I really decided to make it my purpose and make it an issue and just educate myself as much as I could. Well, I feel like that the history and then the, your second TED Talk, which you did in 2015, co- which is interesting, that coincides when we started doing Trailblazing Women. Oh, yeah. And then that becomes this whole thing of people like, oh, there were women 
directors back like in, in the day. silent era wasn't just Dorothy Arzner like because that was mm-hmm. always held up to me as she was the only she and Elaine May were the only mm-hmm. female directors and so then it was discovering all you know all the women from the silent era mm-hmm. and uh, it 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 was unbelievable and we haven't even gotten to like in in the show and we're doing so many people this year june mathis yeah um, you're doing like behind the scenes people this behind year, the scenes people that are still like writers and and editors yeah people that you know producers women producing silent films i mean the producer yeah. of ben-hur oh, so she's cool. like i didn't know it was written and produced by a woman <laughs> yeah and it's 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 astonishing to me so it, it but the needle but what we talk about this year is that it's 2017 and although there's been all this information and some mm-hmm. things have changed in the sense that there's uh like there, there's pioneer projects and Jodie Foster did a documentary on Alice Guy Blachet mm-hmm, and so mm-hmm. there are these things but it doesn't really still feel like the needle has changed I agree and the thing that I feel is by erasing these stories and not talking about them in film history books and in film classes, then it does set up this whole feeling of it being a man's world. It's always been that way. It always will be that way. So why should it change? Mm -hmm. Once you start learning about these stories and realizing how many women were involved at the very start of American cinema and during the silent era especially, you go, well, if that happened back then, why not now? Like, Why can't we go back to that? And so I I love just reframing that idea because everybody is shocked. I mean, even people in the film industry who know film very well. I'm like, did you know? Yeah. And I say about these early women and people are like, I had no idea about her. No. And I feel like that's what we should talk about. So that's why I wanted to write this book. And, you know, someone like you or the TCM audience will be very aware of all these stories. But for people that follow me on, on YouTube, on Twitter and all the things that I do, they may have never heard about these women and right. it may encourage some young girls to want to be filmmakers. Now, I want to ask you, because this is what it's hard with doing the show, is that do you ever feel like that there's that tokenism of like, yeah, yeah, yeah you talked, we got it. Women, blah, blah, blah. They yeah. were there from the beginning. But you're like, yes, but they were. Yes, but they and were. We, but, uh, so how do you handle that? Yeah, I get that all the time. I get like, oh, poor women, we get it. you've had such a tough time. We get it. And I think I just have to, I just not give up and try and tell interesting stories that may engage someone mm-hmm. uh, just hearing about it for the first time or hearing about it for the 10th time. But yeah, I get that all the time. And I think I just keep pushing on because then the things that keep me going is I was at the Toronto Film Festival and I had a bunch of young girls come up to me mm-hmm. saying, thank you so much for speaking about women and we really appreciate it or because of you and now I want to be a filmmaker and you know I think that's that's really great so I'm yeah. like okay, I'm making some kind of difference I just got to keep going but it's hard to yeah come up against that and also things that I, I work on and, and I did an interview recently that was quite feminist and then people were like oh but this is going to alienate our male viewers it's like mm-hmm. why are we still thinking about them yeah like it's a good interview and no one would say oh this is too male this interview we need to yeah right well that's always the universal question do you have to dedicate at once a year i mean i think you do Mm -hmm. like what's wrong with that to to highlighting these women because people you know when you say you know lucille ball ran a studio oh yeah that's right you know like people it's it's just not written down yet we can flip off the tip of our tongue all these male yes you know kind of accomplishments my other my favorite thing is to ask about uh the afi top 100 there are no i'm like yeah there are no female 
uh, directed films on the, on the list. If you were gonna, not one. Do you have? If you had one, Insane. I have my sort of picks. Yeah, I mean, I I love so many, but I I did get to delve more into Dorothy Asner, who we mentioned yeah. while writing this book. And I love Dance Girl Dance. Yes, that's great. And we I think it's such a one. beautiful yeah, film. Yeah, it's great. And we- it has some scathing things to say yeah. about the film industry and about well, about the entertainment and women in entertainment, how they're used as objects. And I thought that one was fantastic. Uh, but even some more recent movies, like I think that... You know, a league of their own should be up yeah. there with the classics because of it was so different in terms of having female sports. And as Gina said in the book, nothing happened after that, even though everyone said this changes everything. Well, and they even uh, what's really strange is that I, I, you know, I point out every year a list of movies like it, it, The Hitchhiker, Outrage, mm-hmm. Ida Lupino, um, Zero yeah, Dark Outrage Forty would, would be a great pick. Yeah. A league of her own would be a great pick. Um, Big would be a great pick. Yep. Uh, I also su- then I suggested the piano, and the, and then somebody says, "Well, that's that's not American." And I'm like, "Oh, but Lawrence of Arabia yeah, is." Exactly. So again, there are these crazy, <laughs> exactly. crazy standards for like, tell me why Lawrence of Arabia is not is an American film? But I know, and I get tired of the the kind of fresh shock every time a film directed by a woman or starring a woman. It does well at the box office. Yes. Like, whoa. I know. There's we always never that. knew this would happen. It's like, look at the history. It's happened so many times. The surprise hit. That's why it was so much fun to talk to Kelly Curry. Because yeah. it, it all, I, I really feel like everything began with Thelma and Louise. Yeah. And the success of the movie, that then there was a backlash to that success mm-hmm. by calling it a chick flick. Mm-hmm. And what the original reviewer meant was it was about female empowerment. And then mm-hmm. somehow chick flick got used to be describe rom-coms and yes it's like a game of telephone and like a lesser movie yeah people like, like it's, just, just, it's just a chick flick it's just a chick flick yeah it's like no yeah we, we, so I, I thought that that was there's uh, no male equivalent, equivalent so there. with your uh, writing your book um, how's the experience been? It's been surreal. It's still strange to see it next to me and see my name on the front it's, cover. That's the greatest. It's like, whew. And that was, you know, big. Yes, same with yours. Like, and it was a big emotional roller coaster. I mean, imagining more for you because this is your personal life. Right. But me, even just having to confront again those th- feelings of self doubt. Yeah. Could I actually pull this off? What was the hardest? What was the hardest thing? And then again, what was the most rewarding? But what was the hardest part of writing the book? The hardest part was securing interviews, which I did think it would be easier. And I kind of built the whole pitch of the book on the premise that once we got to the present day, Mm -hmm. I would be able to get to talk to a lot of people. And I've built up so many great relationships with publicists and with studios over the Mm -hmm. years during these press junkets. And I've always played the game. I've always wrapped up in time. I've always asked the good questions and focused on film and not personal stuff. So I thought that there would be more of a sense of helping me out with it. But it was such a tough sell. And it's like it's going to be published. It's going to be in bookstores. <laughs> it's going to be good. It's all it's all lovely, and and it's a profile on them, and they're going right. to have their own chapter. But it was such a tough sell. The first person to say yes was actually J.J. Abrams, mm-hmm. and once he said yes, because it it's not the people involved; it's the publicists who are the stopping point. Right. They would say, "Who else have you got?" You know, and yes. I'd be like, "Well, I'm talking to all these people. Right. It's just me doing it myself." Um, but once he locked in, then everyone else locked in. And that was great. And so that was also one of the most rewarding things is getting to talk to these amazing people purely for myself, Mm -hmm. not thinking about the promotion of the movie or where it will end up, asking what I truly want to ask 
and talking to Ava DuVernay after hanging up the phone with her, I was like, I feel like I could take on the world because she's so cool <laughs> and she's so sure of herself and she uh, opens doors for other women and yes. she's such a great inspirational figure and a talented lady. Mm-hmm. So um, that was the most rewarding thing and just to get it finished and, and see it there. It's what about rewarding. the experience, um, which I loved, of just going around the country and, and I, I don't know mm. if you do readings or meeting yeah, people. Yeah, book signings, yes. Just, like, anyone read my book. It's amazing. Thank you. I know. I mean, like, I'm, I'm, you know, that to me is like... Yes. Because uh, I found the process, I found the process of writing the book easy the rewrite was the hard part. Yeah, is once, and I had five months to write and rewrite, so it was tough. Yeah, that's I can't even imagine that. I, I had I had about a year, um, but that re once you write it, and mm-hmm. then you have to go back and like fill in things, mm-hmm. and maybe this chapter like. Two chapters didn't even make the book, and I was like, "What?" <laughs> I know. And it, like rewrite, it was hard. Yeah, so, so um, hard. You know, you 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 stopped seeing people, and yeah, oh yes, I just locked myself in my house. I didn't get out of my pajamas for days. <laughs> I in the, but you're a writer. Uh, yeah, I'm a writer. In my acknowledgments, I thank uh, Red Bull, wine, and Tim Tams, which are these chocolate covered biscuits from Australia cookies that they Tim had Tams. sent me. Yeah, they mm-hmm. sent me them because they just launched in the US. They sent yeah. me nine packets. So that's really what I existed on for five <laughs> yes. months. And I know you said this a million times, but where does the title come from? Backwards I know and in Heels. It comes from a quote about Ginger Rogers that she did everything Fred Astaire did, just backwards and in heels. And to me, I thought that was a, a great metaphor for women in film, that they've been there right by the men's side the whole way through American film history, but they've had more obstacles to overcome. Yeah. So I, I love that. That was the first title I thought of, and I was like, yes. And I actually, know. that helps me get interviews because some people are like, I love your title. I'll talk to you just for that. I was like, thank good you. T- I, I believe in a good title. Yeah, I know. I love your title. And you're, my last question, you're working at, you work at Filmstruck. Yes. We love Filmstruck. Love we love Filmstruck. TCM. And uh, we've got the TCM Film Festival coming up. But oh, t- tell, so tell, tell us a little bit about what Filmstruck is for people out there. Yeah, such a dream job. I couldn't imagine anything more perfect for me because this is I say it's like Netflix for cinephiles yeah. where it's a collection of or firstly it's the streaming home for the Criterion Collection but a collection of very curated cult films indie films art house films right. foreign films kind of the best films from around the world and some you may never have heard of yeah. and I'm learning so much by doing this job I've, I've already you know seen a lot of the films mm. on the service but every time I go to do my intros I learn more because I get to see these films that maybe I wouldn't have seen otherwise. Yeah. So it is great. It's got the curation part of TCM and how careful they are. And as we both know, they're full. They're film lovers. They yeah. are true and true. And then you have the might of the Criterion Collection. And then uh, we've got the, well, a long time off, but the TCM Film Festival coming up. I, oh, it's my favorite. It's my favorite. It's like camp. It's, it's awesome. <laughs> no, it's, it is. This is like, this is like <laughs> you know, oh, here's where you all are. You know, yeah. you went there at my film club in high school, but this is, this is a tribe, you know. So these like, are your people. There, there you guys are. You That's do exist. Anyway, well, anyway, uh, Alicia Mullen, thanks so much for coming on. Get Thank the you. Get the book. You can yes. get the book, right? Yes, Backwards you can get the book out now, available on Amazon right. and at bookstores. She's Alicia Malone on Twitter and yes, Instagram. Is. Thank you, Alicia. Thank you. Um, also, you can buy Ileana's book, I Blame Dennis Hopper, out in paperback. 
and like our Facebook page and yes, the podcast please. website is ilianaspodcast.com. That's right. And as I always say, everyone's life is a movie uh-huh. with a beginning, a middle, and an end. And uh, today is the end of this movie, as I say poignantly. But anyway, thanks so much for being here. Thank Alicia. you. Thanks, everyone. Have a great See day. See you next time, guys. Thanks. So long. Bye. Bye. So many good guests. Producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network. We would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit popcorntalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Popcorn Talk Network or its owners or principals.